joining the show, we have veteran Major League catcher Drew Butera. He spent parts of 10 big league seasons with the Twins, Dodgers, Royals, Angels, and now currently the Colorado Rockies. Drew, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, so starting off, we're going to kind of start um, with an overview look on the catching position. Over the past couple of years, we've seen kind of the age of the sabermetric era with new stats such as framing and pop time coming up. I just kind of want to get your outlook and see how you use those stats um, in preparation for the season and try to improve your performance at the catching position. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I feel like there's so much information out there that uh, can help a player. And, um, you know, especially in the ca catching position, there's so much uh, information that I can use, especially for uh, calling a game, um, preparation for my pitchers, and also myself. So for me, I break down um, – in the offseason, I break down kind of what I struggled with pitch framing wise. Um, was it the low pitch? Was it the high pitch? Inside, outside, <clears throat> particular part of the plate. Um, runners on base, no runners on base. Um, and then so from that, I'll, I'll kind of spend maybe uh, two or three weeks trying to kind of find a, a, either a new form or watch guys from um, you know past years who have had good numbers on that certain particular pitch and then trying to you know emulate them and you know, uh, make my form better to where when I go into spring training or go into the season, uh, my numbers will be, you know, much better in that particular area. Yeah, for sure. And speaking to, you know, the amount of information that has increased in Major League Baseball in the last couple of years or so, going back to your first year of pro ball in 2005, how have you seen, you know, the position evolve from then to now? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I've seen uh, evolve is the, the pitch framing. You know, when I first broke in and when I was taught, it was – have soft hands, quiet hands, don't move the baseball when you catch it. I feel like nowadays that it's almost uh, you're doing something wrong if you don't move the ball. But when I first broke in the league or when I got drafted, it was like if I move the ball, I was showing up the umpire. And that was more of like an old school type thing. And for me, that's how I was taught. I was taught to be really quiet, soft hands. But, you know, just like everything, the game evolves. You know, for me, if you're not always trying to get better, if you're not always doing something to improve yourself, you know, you kind of not giving up. You're just kind of, you know, at an idle and, and set still. Yeah, and you also mentioned how in the off season, uh, you're trying to look at which pitches you need to improve on or what spots, I should say. What specifically are you doing to try and improve that? Yeah, for me, I, I try to bring everything back to the middle of the strike zone. That was my my thing. Is I would move the ball, I'd move it up, and I'm, you know, because of my stance, I'm able to get really low. So, getting underneath the ball has never been a problem. It's just presenting the baseball for me was kind of uh, my deal and when I was my numbers always been better with somebody on base so I was in a secondary stance and um, my numbers that way because I'd move the ball to the middle of my body were better and when nobody was on I would just kind of move the ball up so for me I, I really tried to focus on especially this spring training uh, is moving the ball back to the middle of the plate whether that's you know when I'm setting up away it's moving it back to the left part of my body or, or back to the right part of my body but it's just back to the middle of the plate. Yeah, you talk a lot about presenting the baseball to the umpire. I know there's been a lot of talk about the electronic strike zone, that potentially being implemented in the future in baseball. How much of an impact do you think that would have on the catching position as a whole? It would change it completely from what it is right now. And I think it would go back to how it was, you know, uh, early in my career and, and the generations before me. Can you catch the ball one? Because now you're not pitch framing. You're just basically catching the baseball. Uh, can you block? Can you block with men on, and men on base? Um, can you throw, can you, you know, catch and throw, throw guys out, control the running game, and can you manage the pitching staff? I think the, the key fundamentals of being a catcher and what 
makes catching position so great has kind of been lost a little bit in can you just, you know, uh, frame a pitch. You know, a lot of guys have taken away some of their ability to throw by going on one knee or or trying to move the, move the ball every pitch. You know, for me, I have a lot of pride. I, I, don't, let, I don't like when I have to go pick up the ball behind the backstop. So if they implement a um, electronic strike zone, I believe it'll go back to, you know, the, the old school version. Hey, he's a great catch and throw guy. He, he works well with the pitching staff. And this guy, you know, he, he doesn't drop the ball. He blocks the ball well. So I, I think that's where we'll head if we implement the, the strike zone. Yeah, and then talking about all the different tools a catcher has or can have, you know, you mentioned blocking, controlling the running game, leadership. Uh, if you were to rank the top three tools for a catcher when you were evaluating one, uh, what would they be? And obviously feel free to include any ones that I didn't mention there. Yeah, um, so I would, I would include hands, arm strength, presence, I, I would say. Um, for me, it, the catching position is like the quarterback. You have to be a leader. Um, you have to be willing to put in the extra hours to do the extra things to to make you know your team better. And for me, the best I've ever played with was Salvador Perez. You know, uh, you know, and I played with some good ones. I played with Maurer. Um, Ellis was really good, um, and I played against a lot of great ones. You know, Yachty to me was the best at controlling a game. He controlled the pace of the game. He took teams out of uh, big situations just by calling timeout and going to the pitcher's mound. And a lot of um, people don't understand that part of the game, even people in baseball. I'll give you an instance. We were in, I can't remember if it was 2013 or 14, but I was with the Dodgers. Uh, we were playing the Cardinals in the playoffs, and it was a big situation. We were up at the plate, and Adrian Gonzalez was coming up. Uh, in a big situation, the Cardinals were up leaving a run or two, and the crowd was going insane. I mean, they were on our feet. We had a rally going, and Yadi gets behind the plate, comes set, and calls timeout and like takes a minute to walk out to the plate, waits for the umpire to come out, takes a minute to walk back to the plate. And by that time, the crowd was sat down and started to enjoy another beer, a hot dog, whatever. And I forget what happened, but I know that they got out of the situation. And for me, I was like, wow, you know, that, that's knowing the game, that's having feel, that's understanding how to control the pace of, of a game, understanding that, hey, I'm going to give my pitcher a minute here, let him collect his thoughts, probably tell him, hey, this is exactly what we're going to do give him the confidence to execute it. That you can't put on paper. You can't, you can't say, hey, this is a stat that he can do. That's just having feel. And I, I've always admired Yachty, you know, for that. Absolutely. That's a fantastic anecdote right there, too. Uh, and then talking about the Royals a little bit more, uh, heading over there from the Angels in 2015 to catch, I think, in my opinion, is the best, most dominant bullpen I've ever seen. Can you walk us through what it was like catching those guys for the first time and obviously having to learn uh, their, or their tendencies and get a good relationship with them? Yeah, you know, I was, I was extremely excited about going to Kansas City um, just because we had played them earlier in the year, and I knew what type of arms that they had and the bullpen that they had and really the team that they were. You know, it was, yeah. it was a, a lot of uh, a fun to be on that team. We were a, a, basically, it was us against the world, and we knew how good we were, and we weren't going to take any crap from anybody. So um, it was a lot of fun to be on. But to get to know each one of those guys on an individual basis and to understand what makes them tick was a lot of fun. Each guy was different in their own unique way. And each guy was as mentally tough as the next. And it, it was honestly like when I go down the bullpen, it was like I was going to, you know, on a SEAL Team 6 or something like that. These guys were, they were savages down there. And they, they were some of the best that I've ever played with. Yeah, that same season you had the honor, obviously, of catching the last strike of the World Series from Wade Davis. Uh, you've also had the honor to catch a couple no-hitters in your career. 
what do you consider to be the pinnacle moment of your career thus far anyways? Man, um, you know, that's tough because, uh, you know, I've been very fortunate and blessed to be a part of a, some really cool moments. Um, obviously, I think winning a World Series, I'd have to rank number one just because that's been my, my dream ever since I was growing up, you know. Every, every kid in their backyard, you know, dreams of like, okay, bottom of the ninth, down by two, bases loaded you know, seventh game of the World Series, and then you hit a home run off your dad with a wiffle ball. So I feel like that for me is, is something it's so much greater than one individual accomplishment because it's 162 games plus playoffs, spring training, and all the, the work that you have to put in as a team, the ups and downs, um, the fans that are involved in it, the ownership, the, the front office, the coaching staff, the manager, everything has to just click and, and with a little bit of luck you know, you, you, you find yourself in the right situation to succeed. So for me, that, that's probably the, the ultimate uh, accomplishment. I love that. I kind of wanted to go back to the 2015 World Series a little bit here and that last game because that was a crazy game because you guys were trailing in the ninth and then Hosmer's base running obviously gives you or ties the game, break it open, and extra innings. What was it, were you expecting to get into that game? And then what was the reaction, you know, when you were, finally getting into that game and you were in charge of you know getting the last three outs yeah so I, I was always ready I think as uh, throughout my career being a backup for most of it um, you know you know, I'm always ready at any given at any given moment especially in that that high magnitude of game so uh, you're always ready you never know what could happen you know it could be one pitch and you're in there so uh, I was ready for whatever I was ready to go in at any time and then when I when I knew I was going in it was a roller coaster of emotions because we were um, we were tied at the, at the time. And so Sal got a base hit to right. They pinch ran for him. He's like, all right, I know I'm going in. So I was in the cage up in the tunnel getting loose. I had Jeremy Guthrie throwing me, you know, balls in the dirt and working on my footwork and throwing into the cage to get my arm loose. And I was watching – we had a TV in there, and I was watching it. And um, I saw Dicey on second, and then uh, Christian Colon get the base hit. And so I was pumped. I was like, hell yeah. We're winning the World Series. We're up. And then as the inning continued, as we kept scoring more runs and more runs, I – Honestly, I went back into the dugout, and everybody was still a mess, especially our pitching coach, Dave Island. I sat next to him, and he was like, man, we got to get these three outside. Dave, relax. The game's over. He's like, no, no, no. You never know what could happen. I said, do you know who's coming in? I said, this game is over. You, you talked about the greatest moment um, of your career, winning the World Series, but you also had some pretty cool moments. I know Vince Scully obviously gave you some praise after that 94-mile-an-hour heater to strike out Marcelo Zuna, which was awesome. And also, um, you're inside the park home run against the Twins. you got to have a curtain call after that. If you had to pick from those two moments, which one do you think was more memorable in your mind? Uh, you know what? It's, they're so close because of the magnitude of Vince Scully. I think individually, uh, the inside the park home run, because, I mean, I think 15 people fell down you know, on the field just for me to, to be able to inside the parker. But uh, it was cool. I got a curtain call in a, in a town that I really love and, and uh, appreciated playing in. Um, it was something that doesn't happen, you know, too often, especially for, you know, some of my slow speed. Uh, but that being said, the iconic voice of Vin Scully, you know, uh, calling out my name and, 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 and calling the, the inning that I pitched, was really cool and something I'll never forget. I still have the videotape today, and I actually got a uh, one of the bobbleheads that was given away was a microphone, a Vince Scully microphone, and I had him sign it. And that, to me, will forever be one of my most cherished uh, kind of memorabilia that I that I have. Yeah, and then another one that I just remember so vividly because I think this is one of the best games I've watched was that 2018 wild card game with the Rockies 
uh, obviously having three catchers on the roster as well in that game. Uh, that one was crazy just because of how long that one went, uh, the limited amount of scoring. Uh, and you guys went all through all three catchers. I believe what was it? I know that started, then you, and then Walter's coming up with a big base hit. Uh, what yeah. was that like? What was that experience like? That was a lot of fun because it was a new team for me. You know, I'd only spent a month with them. Uh, to be honest with you, I didn't expect to be on the playoff roster. You know, um, I thought they might take a couple extra bullpen arms. But um, Mike Redmond came up to me after the game. He's like, that's why we kept you on the roster, because we knew that you wouldn't be phased by big situations. And at the time, they had a, a man on – it was Baez that was on first base. And um, they brought in Adam Adovino. And I had never caught – on a, I caught Adovino one time, but it was in a blowout game. So I really didn't get a high-pressure situation. And the first three warm-up pitches, he threw off the backstop. I said, holy crap. I said, so, for me, like, it was, it was a, a fun game. It was a little bit nerve-wracking at times because, you know, you don't want to fail for the team that you just joined. Um, and, you know, it turns out we, we got out of the jam. I caught him one more inning. It was a clean inning. I caught Wade two innings. And then I think I caught uh, maybe – oh, I caught O for an inning. O came in for the fifth inning. And then um, they did double switch and put Tony in there, and he got the big hit. And that celebration uh, would have been fun regardless, but it made it even more memorable for me because I was a part of it. You know, when you're a part of a, a winning team, it, it hits a little deeper in the heart for you. Yeah, for sure. You talk about catching Ottavino being a little wild. I'm sure you've caught a lot of really tough pitchers in your career. Uh, who's, the, who's the toughest pitcher that you've had to catch overall? And it could even be a certain softball player that I know you had to catch one time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. That, for me, um, that was an experience. I had never caught a ball going up before like that. And I wanted her to uh, – she was throwing on the first pitch. I said, are you going to do overhand or underhand? She goes, no, I'm going to do underhand. And so I said, all right, I need to, I want to see this. So we went in the cage and she started throwing me. I was like, okay, that's fine. I can catch it, no problem. But I said, let me see, I want to give me your good stuff. I want to see what you're striking guys out with or, or striking ladies out with. And um, so she gave me like her slider, her sinker, her change up. I said, I've never seen a rise ball before. Let me see it. And I swear to God, it almost hit me right in the face. And that's when you see me in the cage back. Um, so yeah, she, she was the most unique uh, person I've ever caught, but, I would say uh, R.A. Dickey, for me, was the hardest person to catch just because of, you know, many reasons. But the knuckleball were, were one of them. That's great. All right, once again, we're with veteran catcher Drew Butera. Drew, thank you so much for joining us today. And we wish you the best of luck this season. We hope to see you on the field. And we had a great time. Hope you did as well. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, guys, had a blast, man. Thanks for having me.